Well, today we are going to use our starting verse here from John, which in John chapter 3, verse 30 says, He must increase and I must decrease. These are the words of John the Baptist when he was in prison. And, uh, you know, John the Baptist was a very godly man, and here we see that he is going to be killed shortly after he says this. So that John the Baptist wouldn't be the, the focus of the people, but that Yeshua Jesus Christ would be. And that's what we're going to look at here today. I'm going to show you, uh, I hope you like to watch TV, because we're going to show a lot of YouTube clips here today to illustrate a problem that I see going on in the churches today. And that problem being a lack of a foundation, that our eyes are often fixed on us rather than on the Father. And I believe this verse is very applicable in that when I say we must decrease... And he must increase. Go This clip here that I'm going to show you is kind of a spoof on some of the music that we sing. Now, I'm not saying that you know, the songs that these are spoofing are, are terrible songs or anything like that. But I think it does illustrate a point that we do see in music today, even in worship in churches. So watch this. It's all about me. Really. It is all about you. Now, the greatest collection of me you worship ever assembled on one CD. It's all about All 20 songs, all about you. This amazing collection is great to share with friends, if you have any. Everyone can join in the worship with you, for you, and about you. Because you are unique, and you love you. There is none like me. No one else All this can for do only $19.95. Like Operators do. are standing by to serve you. And I am why I sing. And I am why I live. If you order now, you'll also receive a second CD of Yule Tide Favorites. Call 1-800-ME-ME-ME or order online at memyselfandi.com Call today because no one can praise you like you. I think you can get the point that oftentimes that that has become the focus in our church. It's God bless me, God give me this, God give me that, God help us with this. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't want us to pray for our needs. He does. He tells us that we are to take everything to him in prayer. However, I think that the, the balance has shifted to the point to where it's all about us in the church today, all about what we receive when we go to church, all about what we can get out of going to church rather than what can we put into the church. We're here to praise Jesus. We're here to praise God. We're not here to feed ourselves. Now, again, I'm not saying we don't get something from going to church. We do. But the attitude of the heart is what we want to look at here today. Foundations are important. And when that foundation is shaky, we know that the the structure that you build upon it is going to collapse. It's going to crumble. It's going to tilt. And I think that's the problem, is if we have ourselves as the foundation, it's not going to last long. You know, the Bible says, take up the cross and follow him. 
That is the key, that we have to follow Jesus, not our own desires. This is John Crowder. He is a, uh, I hesitate to call him a pastor, but a pastor, a leading uh, pastor in our country here today. His foundation is very shaky, very rocky, if there is one. Now, again, we're all building on the foundation of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3 says some will build with you know, wood, hay, and stumble, stubble. Others will build with gold, silver, and precious stones. And the day is going to bring those things to light. If what we built upon that foundation survives, then you will be saved. If it's burned up, it says you'll be saved, but only as though escaping through the flames. And so again, I'm not going to judge this man's salvation, but I do believe that there is a spirit in the churches today that is not the Holy Spirit. But we have a tendency to think today that if we see a healing, if we see a miracle, if we see some great things going on, it's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to propose to you that it's not always the Holy Spirit, that there are other spirits within the churches today. We'll talk about that. But watch this video here, John Crowder. I'm in a wreck because... You know, they, they say when you, you put two two users together, let me see, when Winnie gets up here, and then you expect me to get up and say coherent words later, afterwards. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, dear Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, Lord. I've learned a, a quick prayer. I'll teach it to all you really quickly. Okie dokie, Lord. Okie dokie. Lord, I love your heavy, drunken glory. Lord, I love it. Lord, thank you, Father, for more of the heavy, weighty, drunken glory in this house today. That's my favorite little bit of you, Jesus. <laughs> is the bliss, is the joy. Isaiah 35, it says, you will be overtaken by joy. That means taken over by joy. That means possessed by joy. Thank you, Lord. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes the Lord, I used to have a teaching gift. I have a, a good gift of uh, getting struck mute in the middle of a service. One of those few guest speakers that you invite in, and then you may not be able to speak. <laughs> huh. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. Well, today, um, just invite, we just thank you, Lord, that, that we have these little fat friar tuck bartender angels that travel around with us, and they wheel in the barrels from heaven. Some healing angels that come. But let me tell you, these little fat fryer tucks, they start yanking on your legs, yanking on your arms. You better watch out. You know, we need a little help around here. I think it's okay to talk about the angels in the church. Amen? Yoing, yoing, yoing. Help. We need somebody. Help. I mean, if we think we can get, oh, just let's just focus on Jesus. Don't talk about the angels. Just focus on Jesus. Don't talk about human beings or animals or any other creature the Lord's created. <laughs> I think maybe we need to learn a little bit more about the spirit realm. What do you think? I think make the more our eyes are opened up to that realm of his glory, oi, 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 things are going to be a little more easier, a little more cream and butter on our feet. Oh, thank you, Lord. Whoa. 
Lord, I want to do it your way. I want to do it the highway. I want to do it the right way. I want to, I want it to get done. Oing, oing. <laughs> Lord, I, I just want to, I, you know, your efforts are not necessary. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Say, my efforts are not necessary. I this morning a little bit about the ecstasies of God. There's a realm of God's glory uh, of signs and wonders that are being poured out. We're seeing just incredible stuff everywhere we go. I mean, I was just in uh, uh, South Carolina this week, and uh, you know, me, the great healing revivalist, I catch the flu, and I'm up there, and I'm 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 preaching, and I've got the flu, and I'm just thinking, Lord, because <laughs> people are are like losing weight, weight loss miracles. People are like holding their pants out, um, metal pins and things melting people's legs. People getting healed. And I've got the flu. And I, Lord, I'm praying for all these people. And I'm seeing all these miracles. But Lord, why won't you touch Johnny? Why don't you put some in Johnny's plate? Lord, Johnny, Johnny's hungry for a meal. Lord, give Johnny his. Yoing, yoing, yoing. You see, you got to understand, you already got yours. Say, just, you just got to, why work for what you've already got? You've already got it. <laughs> we just got to get gotten. Lord, I just get, just get me. Just get me, come, Lord, get me right now. We just want to be overwhelmed, over. No, absolutely whack, slosh, slippity slap. Just fill us up, Lord God. We wanna, we wanna just ride, Lord, that glory train. I thank you, Father, that what's happening is not a work of man. It is not a traditional work. It is not going to be in the bounds of of tradition, conventionality, or religion. Not man-made formula. Not theological or doctrinal understanding, Lord God. But what you're releasing, the mysteries in that realm of heaven. It is a wildfire. It is a fire that our control it is going to spread where it wills and lord we ask that you would come and fully possess us fully use us i hope you're disturbed by that <laughs> i know i am i hate to even watch it to be honest and this is the kind of thing that believe it or not is going on in the churches and you might think well not around here you might be surprised you might be surprised at how this so-called holy spirit is working in churches here today now, I didn't hear a lot of coherent praise or anything going on in, in anything that he was saying there. But this is what they call being drunk in the spirit. Now, we're going to see some things. I'm not going to talk too much about that here right now. You'll get to uh, hear other things that will kind of address that. But what I want you to understand for now is that this is the kind of thing that uh, I, I, I think it's, it's blasphemous. I think that it is uh, a spirit that's in the church that is not the Holy Spirit, as I said. I'm going to show you a couple other clips that might be a little disturbing as well here. <laughs> Slid down, down her leg onto the floor. I said, God, I've prayed for like a hundred crippled people, not one. He said, that's because I want you to grab that lady's crippled legs and bang them up and down on the platform like a baseball bat. I walked up and I grabbed her legs and I started going, I started banging them up and down in the place. She got healed. And I'm thinking, God, why is not the power of God moving? He said, because you haven't kicked that woman in the face. And there's this older lady worshiping right in front of the platform. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The gift of faith came on me. He said, kick her in the face. With your biker boot. I inched closer and I went like this. Bam! 
And just as my boot made contact with her nose, she fell into the power of God. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The gift of faith came on me. He said, kick her in the face with your biker boot. I inched closer, and I went like this. Bam! And just as my boot made contact with her nose, she fell into the power of God. And I saw... I'm going to stop there for a second again. Todd Bentley, again, is a, a leading evangelist pastor in our country. Now, maybe some of these names, like John Crowder, Todd Bentley, don't ring a bell to you. They're not familiar with you or something like that. But I did a Bible study on this here a couple of weeks ago, and I've had a number of people from that Bible study come and say, you know, I'm hearing those names all of a sudden I, I, because I wasn't aware of them. But now that you showed them to us, I'm hearing those names. This is stuff that is going on in the church, and it's important that we recognize those things. I don't find anywhere in the Bible where God says that we should be kicking old ladies in the face for them to be healed. Even if there is a healing, the Bible warns us there will be signs and wonders among you from false prophets, from false spirits that will cause people to be led astray. You see, one of the, the uh, qualities of the Holy Spirit is self-control, isn't it? Yeah, that's not self-control. Watch this video clip here. On June 23rd, 2008, they held a special commissioning ceremony for Todd Bentley live at Lakeland with the very biggest apostles and prophets of the charismatic movement. This is Peter Wagner, the head apostle of the entire charismatic movement worldwide. And here's Rick Joyner, the top prophet of the movement. This commissioning represents a powerful spiritual transaction taking place in the invisible world. With this in mind, I take the apostolic authority that God has given me, and I decree to Todd Bentley, your power will increase, your authority will increase, your favor will increase, your influence will increase, your revelation will increase. Of course, only weeks later, Todd Bentley's movement completely fell apart. And no amount of Stacey Campbell shaking her head was going to change that fact. And receiving the tablets came after Numbers 24. Just a few weeks later, on July the 9th, ABC Nightline had a special on Todd Bentley and the Lakeland Revival. Little did we know this would be the beginning of the end of the revival. Can you supply us with three people who have been cured through miracle with their medical diagnosis, their names. But we never got three. Instead, we were given a binder filled with what Bentley says are stories of inspiring miracles. It offered incomplete contact information, a few pages of incomplete medical records, doctors' names were crossed out. And so, not a single miracle claim of Bentley's could be verified. But then came even more shocking news. Todd Bentley was separating from his wife. He'd apparently been having an affair with a female staff member even while the revival was going. And of course, at this point, the entire revival collapsed. Lee Grady, the editor of Charisma magazine, spoke for multitudes around the world when he wrote these words. 
Todd Bentley's announcement that his marriage is ending has thrown our movement into a tailspin and questions need to be answered. It was not supposed to end like this. But sadly, that was not the end. Todd Bentley divorced his wife, married his girlfriend, and the biggest prophetic ministry in the world, run by Rick Joyner, undertook a speedy restoration process to fast-track Todd Bentley back on stage again. And now here he is, back again, ministering alongside his new wife. And the thing about the elephant, it wasn't just an ordinary elephant, it was a wild elephant, a wild elephant. As we've already seen, these same spasmodic head movements in Hinduism are taken as a sure sign of a kundalini awakening. Why then are we now seeing them in the church? It is for everyone, for every Christian. For and so, aided and abetted by some of the biggest names in Christendom, Todd Bentley and others continue to spread this anointing right through the charismatic church. Again, very disturbing. Todd Bentley, Rick Joyner, some of these people are promoting this. And we're not talking about a small movement. We're talking about millions of people who are following this movement under the guise that it is the Holy Spirit working in the church. Now, we're going to look at a lot more scripture verse coming up. But for now, I just want to, to show you what's going on around us and how this is creeping into the churches. Maybe not full force in the churches around you, maybe in just little ways and things like that. But we do need to be careful. Now, the Bible does warn that, you know, a, an elder or a pastor should be a man of but one wife. Yet we see that he has been divorced. He was having an affair on his wife. You would think that would be the end of the ministry. But now he married the woman that he was having an affair with and now ministers alongside her. Now, here's Todd Bentley's second wife. You saw a little clip of this uh, in that previous YouTube clip, but here she's sharing a dream that she had, and this spirit of God supposedly is going to come over her while she tells about this dream in which she was able to meet another famous evangelist and uh, um, saw an elephant that apparently had a story to tell. And I'm going to have my wife, Jessa, share a dream that she had. So a couple of nights ago, I had a dream where Oral Roberts was speaking to Todd. They were, I, I didn't understand what they're saying, but I remember they were talking. And then he looked over and he saw me and he stopped. And he ran over to me and he put his hands over my eyes and he said, what do you see? And so I looked and I didn't see anything at first. And then all of a sudden I saw this elephant racing across my eye. And Oral Roberts said, he put his, his hands over my eyes and said, what do you see? And I said, I didn't see anything at first. And then all of a sudden I saw this elephant racing across my eyes. It's discerning the times and season by getting a hope from God. Um, whew, getting, getting a hope from God. To be able to see, to discern the times and the seasons that's ahead of you. And the thing about the elephant, it wasn't just an ordinary elephant. It was a wild elephant. A wild elephant. It was radical, 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 radical. And the elephant means a great impact. And I really felt like what happened in Lakeland was just the beginning 
This is just an introductory. This is just an introduction. Just a table of contents of what's to come. And I felt like the great impact is greater, greater, greater. As you listen to these too, the other thing you're going to notice is, is Christ ever the focus? No, the focus might be revival or what we're going to get or what God's going to do for me, what God's going to do for the church. But I don't ever see Christ being lifted up in the messages that these people are giving in this. It's not Christ that is glorified. It's all about me. That's what we're seeing. Now, again, I'm assuming that many of you have never experienced such a thing as this, even been around it to see it in the churches. And I'm thankful for that. However, as I said, believe it or not, it is creeping into the church. But I want to show you that there is evidence that this is not the Holy Spirit outside of even the Bible. Here we see Andrew Strom again. Welcome to part three of this documentary. I'm Andrew Strom, author of the book Kundalini Warning, Are False Spirits Invading the Church? As I was saying earlier, I'm a charismatic, Pentecostal, tongue-speaking believer myself. So I'm not against any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to see uh, more and more people filled with the Spirit of God, full of the love and the holiness of God. But as we've seen, a new generation of leaders has arisen, and it doesn't seem like holiness that they're spreading. I want to read from, from... Luke chapter 1. This is John Crowder, probably the worst that I've ever seen. And yet his influence is growing enormously, especially amongst the youth. I firmly believe in token the ghost, right? I have a little Jehovah Wana. And so we just, all you have to do, and the thing is, it's free. You just reach in your pocket. Wow, look at what's there. You just hit a little... A little, a little whiff of the glory. A basic question here. At what point does something go from being only tantamount to blasphemy and become real, actual blasphemy? This is the stuff that John Crowder and his friends have been spreading all over the earth. Welcome to Sloshfest, which they hold every year, attracting hundreds and hundreds of people. And of course, if anybody questions what they're doing, they're immediately accused of being a religious Pharisee. So apparently we're not even allowed to use our discernment, even though the Bible commands us to do so. Here's the well-known author and speaker, Jim Gold, taking part in the drunken glory with Crowder and his accomplice, Ben Dunn. And here's Ben Dunn ministering this drunkenness anointing to the young people at Bill Johnson's famous Bethel Church in Redding, California. In fact, a lot of this movement now is targeting young people. Now, Bill Johnson is a very famous charismatic leader, author of the book, When Heaven Invades Earth. But what people don't realize is that Bill's church in Redding is one of the major centers for this drunkenness anointing in North America. They specialize in what they call the fire tunnel, where they impart this anointing to all the young people. Can you imagine walking into a room that sounds like this? We worship you. We And, of course, Bill Johnson and Cheyenne and John and Carol Arnott from Toronto openly endorsed and promoted Todd Bentley 
and the Lakeland Revival. And we stand with you. Another major centre where they're imparting this drunkenness anointing to the young people is IHOP, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. We've already drunk in the Holy Spirit. Here's the IHOP founder, Mike Bickle, welcoming Bill Johnson and the main Toronto Blessing leaders to partner with IHOP. The three rivers, Kansas City, Reading, and Toronto, must come together. Wow! Say it again, say it again. Now, this drunkenness thing, where did that come from? Why are they behaving drunk and saying, oh, this is the Holy Spirit? They say, oh, it's just like the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2. And I say, no, it's not like the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2. It doesn't say they were reeling around. It says that they were speaking in other tongues and other people heard it and they said, oh, maybe these people are drunk. It wasn't because they're reeling around and behaving literally like drunk people. In fact, the Bible warns us again and again in the last days, be sober, be vigilant, don't be drunk. So why is the charismatic movement giving itself over to manifestations that seem the opposite of sobriety and the opposite of holiness? In fact, they look more like outright paganism. This is Rick Joyner's Morningstar Church. And of course, this is the other major center of this anointing in North America. Can anybody please tell me the difference between this and outright paganism? As we can see, a lot of this stuff has a real new age feel to it. In fact, when you go to John Crowder's website, he openly advertises his mystical schools where people can learn to operate in trances, raptures, ecstatic prayer, mysticism, spirit travel, and every other new age sounding thing you can imagine. And yet Christian leaders all over the world are promoting these ministries. People are being deceived into believing in guided visualization, astral travel, centering prayer, stigmata, and all kinds of New Age practices. Of course, they call them different names, like contemplative prayer and spirit travel to hide the fact of how totally new age they are. This is Lucy Rail, who now has a home in the charismatic movement simply because of these bizarre signs and wonders. And this is Joshua Mills, who specializes in glittering dust appearing, as well as out-of-body spirit travel and other things. All over my body, people will travel hundreds of miles to see this stuff. And then there are the angels. Even though the Bible specifically warns us about angels of light, now everywhere we look, we see the weirdest and most bizarre accounts of so-called angels appearing. But why do they not carry the holy fear of the Lord like the angels in the Bible? 
This is Sid Roth's TV show, which apart from God TV is one of the biggest promoters of all these strange experiences in the church. My guest, Joshua Mills, is a legitimate sign and wonder. And this is Patricia King of Extreme Prophetic, interviewing the famous prophet Bob Jones as well as Todd Bentley. You gave me a phone call and you said, hey, I've just been soaking with Bob Jones and I've gone up into the third heaven and all that. And and it was all new to me. I'd never even heard that kind of language before and I was so hungry for it. I hope you can see that all these different ministries and streams are really one big movement, united by this strange anointing that they started spreading everywhere in the 1990s. Still, they spread it today. And so we're left with an enormous worldwide movement in the church that is absolutely loaded with spiritual forces and practices and experiences that seem to come straight out of Eastern mysticism. And they're busy telling us not to discern, but to turn off our minds. Not only that, but it seems very clear that it's targeting the youth. Is this movement dangerous? Clearly we have to say yes, and hopefully through this documentary you can see why. But there's just one thing I want to talk about before we bring this program to a close. You know, a lot of people when they see this stuff, they go right over to the other extreme. They don't want any miracles. They don't want any prophecies whatsoever. They want nothing to do with a supernatural God. But we see from the New Testament again and again, God does do miracles. They are holy miracles. God does do supernatural things, but they have a holy character about them. Even angels do visit people from time to time. They are holy angels. And this is the distinction we've got to make. And we can't afford to be losing the New Testament. We can't afford to be doing away with healings and miracles. We've got to have these things. We've got to have them in balance. We should have them in abundance. We've got to be a New Testament people. Again, very disturbing to watch. We're almost done with some of these YouTube clips. I've got a couple more here for you. But um, here again, IHOP in Kansas City. That's getting very close to us, very close to us. Uh, We've had even speakers from that area come to Hastings. Watch here IHOP. I'm just going to show you a short clip of this. This is one of the interns. And this intern here, you can see her jerking. She has apparently been doing that for about 45 minutes already before she gets on stage. She's going to give her testimony, and her testimony lasts about 15 minutes, and she does not stop jerking for this entire time, nor does another intern that's up there. They both continue to jerk while they talk uncontrollably. No self-control here. (laughs) What did the Lord do do in you last semester? This is Katie, and this is Amy. And now they're IHOPU students in the second semester of IHOPU, right? First semester. First semester of IHOPU. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Oh, the Lord is so good. Um, just when the awakening broke out, we were made to come here. You were made to come here? Well, not on the Wednesday. We all came because it was our Sabbath. And we were all excited, so we came to see what was going on. And I've never seen anything like this before or even heard about it. And I didn't know that the Lord could work like this. 
Um, so you never did this kind of thing before? No. Had you ever seen it before? No. You've never seen this kind of manifestation of the Holy Spirit that you're now experiencing? Yeah. No. You ne- no, you never had? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then... Because you haven't stopped shaking since you've been on the platform. Before the platform. She was sitting over there shaking for the last two hours. Yeah. So this is all... Like the last two months, this is brand new to you, what the Lord is doing. Yeah, I grew up in a Methodist church. and So did I, by the way. I grew up in a Methodist so church. So did I. <laughs> yeah, and um, we, like, in our, my church works with, does prophecy and healing and stuff, but no manifesting and all that kind of stuff. And the healing is left for after the service when you come. But it's changed now. Oh, when so I, the Lord began touching you here, and then you went home Yeah. at Christmas. Yeah. And what happened when you went oh, home? My pastor told me, he asked me if I could speak at my church for three of our services. Now, oh. Did he know what had been going on in Kansas City? Yeah, he spends his sabbaticals here. And he, so he said in front of my church, this is Katie. Um, she spends her time at her, my favorite place on earth. Uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City and he came down here and he visited and he asked me if I, he saw me like this and he asked me if I'd speak but he wouldn't tell me what to speak he said whatever's on your heart and I was like well about the internship about the awakening well, what do you want me to talk about and he just said whatever's on your heart so I was battling with what to say <laughs> I didn't know what to say and Holy Spirit was just telling me that I need to have faith that he's going to speak through me so he wouldn't let me prepare anything and whenever I tried he, my focus would just go off and whenever I tried to plan it or write anything out the spirit would fall and I'd start shaking and I couldn't write it out but at least you tried that's an important thing because sometimes people say oh I'm just going to go with whatever the Holy Spirit gives me on the moment oh, no. we always need to do our part, and the Holy Spirit will do His part. The Holy Spirit did His part. Yeah. He wouldn't let you write anything down. Yeah. So uh, when I was at church speaking, I kind of planned it out that morning. But when I was waiting for the worship to be over, um, He changed it totally. and He had me talk about Song of Solomon and catching the foxes that spoil the vines and that I was supposed to talk about that and I found out after I said that that we were uh, my pastor was teaching about alcoholism and drugs in the service and where it's not needed in the church but and what the Bible says about it so the Lord really touched my heart to ask people to search their hearts to see what's hindering love between them and the Lord and then so that's what I said for the first morning services and then for the night service, oh, I had longer time to talk, but I still didn't plan anything. And so my friend Ross and I were going to speak. And at the moment I stood up, I started manifesting when I was supposed to go preach. And he's, and my friend Ross just laid hands on me and said more because the Spirit's been touching his college. Where's his college? Northwestern in Minnesota. <laughs> And so, oh. I think we had some students went up there, didn't we? And anyway. Yeah. And so I uh, didn't know what I was going to say, so I had him go first. And when he preached, uh, his 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 sermon just 
burned on my heart so I didn't stop manifesting and then it was my turn and I didn't know what I was gonna say and I had like a half hour to speak and there was a whole bunch of people there and I got really worried and nervous and so then I just grabbed the microphone and I started explaining what manifesting was because everyone was looking at me funny and how it's biblical and how the Lord works this way today and he heals today and I started talking about uh, I like Song of Solomon but I was talking about Song of Solomon and the vineyards and it says in Song of Solomon 1 6 that you keep you've been keeping your brother's vineyards but your own vineyard has not been kept it's talking about your heart and it's talking about that you don't always focus on your heart. I think about my mom and how she oh, always watches out for me and my brother before she watches out for her own heart. And so I preached that and the Lord just stopped my manifesting instantly. And I started preaching with boldness and authority that I've never had before. And I started talking about the Lord's love and his jealous heart for them and that he wants them to open their hearts to him and remove everything that hinders love and then I stopped and me and Ross went to the back of the sanctuary to pray over people and uh, they started lining up and we prayed over this woman and she was older woman and she got the joy of the Lord and then more people come up and they start manifesting and getting the joy of the Lord and drunk in the spirit and people get delivered from bondages and people got delivered from self-hatred oh and people felt the love of the Lord like they never had and the Lord just broke in oh and then something went on with the youth group as well right yes and after I left last weekend they had a retreat and some of those girls that night got drunk in the spirit and then this weekend, the Lord touched a retreat that they were at and just set it ablaze and people were rolling and drunk and the spirit is just on the church. And that night we went into travail for the church and now the youth group is on fire more than ever and people were slain in the spirit and prophesying something we always did but not as much as we do now and the Lord is just putting that place on fire it's in Fargo North Dakota and oh and they started a house of prayer it's called the restoration house of prayer and it's just starting but the Lord is gonna touch that place so I'm not going to let you listen to all her testimony and whatnot, but I just want you to see that jerking motion because that's going to be important as you can see here. If you have a TV and you have even the basic cable, oftentimes you'll see Sid Roth, Supernatural, on the television, one of those stations that you can choose from. Again, I'm not saying Sid Roth isn't a Christian, I'm not saying, but he is one of the great promoters of these people like Rick Joyner and John Crowder and some of these other people in this movement that's going on. And it's all spoken of as if it were a good thing. Look what he says here with uh, Morningstar, Rick Joyner. We'll be able to play with cobras. It's not going to be any more morning sickness, dying, pain, child abuse, hunger, any of these things. 
He is going to restore the earth. What are doctors going to do when there's no longer the cop-out? They're going to have to get a real job. No, no. What are they they going to do? Because They're not going to be able to say, well, the cause of your disease is stress. There's not any stress there. Is it? The Bible talks about people being translated, being in one city and then finding themselves in another city just instantly. Has that happened to you? That's happened to me. Tell me about it. Well, here we also see Sid Roth with Todd Bentley. Right here in Lakeland, Florida. We've been experiencing a mighty outpouring of God's presence and glory. It's, it's one of the most unique outpourings I've ever been a part of because the glory of God is so thick, it's like honey. It's overwhelming. And day after day, week after week, the presence of God has been so overwhelming. I'm, I'm, I'm literally spending hours a day, most of the time weeping, crying, laughing on my face. And with that outpouring has come incredible, notable signs and wonders. I mean, like people that are being healed of terminal cancers. Wait a second. Something just happened in the atmosphere. Can you sense it? Yeah, something I just, I don't know whether an angel walked in or what, but the presence of the Lord just, just dropped. Just happened. The glory just, whew, it's just, it's, it's a confirming, bearing witness presence came into the room just now. People are going to feel it in their homes. That same anointing is coming right into their homes. Thank you, Lord. Release that glory. It, it's, it's here now. I can feel it. it. It's This is what happens to us. I'm here. getting hot, but go ahead. <laughs> you know, and I'm starting to feel a tingling now in my hand. And, you know, that's a sign of the gift of healing being stirred up well, for me. I, the, I know the it. The thing that's so amazing about what's going on now is transferable. Explain that. People are receiving it. We're praying for people. A pastor friend of mine in the U.K., he came all the way here to Lakeland. We laid hands on him. He took it back to uh, the U.K. and announced, I just got back from Lakeland, Florida. I'm going to have an impartation service to release the anointing. 1,500 people showed up for the first meeting, and now they're going into extended meetings. And the same kind of miracles are happening there. They had over 100 people healed in the first meeting. So it's not you. It's God. It's absolutely God. Uh, what, what did Rick Joyner just tell you? Yeah, Rick Joyner told me that two of his students came from his ministry school to Lakeland. Yeah, and I'm not going to show you the whole interview just to save some time, but I just want you to see that Sid Roth is, is promoting these people. Now, again, I, I don't want to speak too terribly against any of these people outside of the fact that this is a warning and this does not belong in the church. Why? Because I'm going to propose that we are foundationless. That we've lost our foundation. We've lost what the church stands for. We've lost what we're here for. We're lo- we've lost a Christ-centered church. Now, you know, I hesitate even showing some of these things because I, I, when I watch it, it makes me mad. It makes me angry. It makes me feel terrible. But you know what? Sometimes we often need to be shocked into this to realize, well, you know what? There is a problem. To realize how ugly the more subtle aspects are. Sometimes you have to see what the end result is to some of the things that are being practiced in the church. Andrew Strom, again, has another kind of good uh, summary of what's going on here with the kundalini spirit. Now, the basic question that we're asking in this documentary is, why are these manifestations so similar to Eastern religions and Hinduism and the kundalini cults And yet they're not found in scripture, they're not found in the Bible, they're not found in classical Christianity at all. (laughs) Of 
course, in Hinduism, one of the most common ways of experiencing a kundalini awakening is through a guru placing his hand upon your forehead. This is called Shaktipat. And when they do that, you'll be infused with this incredible love and this wave of emotion. You'll fall down. There'll be all these manifestations, maybe animal noises, uh, joy and weeping and shaking. This is a kundalini awakening. And amazingly, it is exactly the same as what we have been seeing in the Toronto Blessing. Now, this all began with Rodney Howard Brown imparting a new anointing into a bunch of leaders, and they spread it around the world. In fact, it spread like wildfire. How do we know that Rodney Howard Brown had a pure anointing? How do we know it wasn't a kundalini spirit from the beginning? Because it seems absolutely identical to it. Now, one of the very clearest signs of a kundalini awakening has always been these kriyas. You see this woman involved in the New Age movement. She's walking along exhibiting these kriyas happening in voluntary uh, jerking motions. And the staggering thing about it is that we are seeing again and again and again these exact same type of kriyas right through the Toronto movement. This has always been one of the clearest signs of Kundalini that we know of. A friend of mine from South Africa who's done a tremendous amount of research on this topic says that Kundalini is like a false Holy Spirit. It produces even miracles and healings and fusions of love and power and energy and emotion and uh, all these kinds of things. And yet it's the Hindu version of the Holy Spirit and it's not holy. Now, we all know that in the last days, the Bible speaks again and again, warning of deception, seducing spirits. It says that it'll be perilous times will come. It says there'll be lying signs and wonders. It says all of these things, soberness, sobriety, uh, being alert, being watchful. This is what it says to us all the way through the prophecies of the last days. Here we are. We're in the end times now. And what do we have on our hands? We have a movement that's promoting weird and bizarre signs and wonders. We have a movement promoting drunkenness when we're told to be sober in the last days again and again. It's promoting all kinds of whacked out spiritual experiences. And we are warned in the last days, watch out for seducing spirits. The Bible even says, it goes as far as saying this, if possible, the very elect themselves would be deceived. So I think he's pointing out quite clearly that the kundalini spirit, a Hindu spirit, there are spirits. The Bible warns us about all kinds of other spirits that are out there. You know, in Revelation, we read this in chapter 13. It says that this beast that comes up out of the earth, which is basically one of the evil trinities, says that he performed great and miraculous signs. And because of the signs, he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast. He deceived the inhabitants of the earth. The Bible warns that there will be false spirits, false prophets that are going to come and do signs, do miracles, do wonders, maybe even healings that are going to deceive the inhabitants of the earth. We see in Revelation 16, then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. 
They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs. See, the Bible tells us there are spirits that we are going to be dealing with here in this world. It says here as well in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. You see, the coming of the lawless one is going to come with signs and wonders. And it's going to deceive those who are perishing. And why are they perishing? Because they refuse to love the truth. Yeshua Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And you see, his word is where we get discernment. His word is where we get that foundation to understand what truth is because there's going to be all kinds of things going on around us in this world. But how do we know if they're true? Unless we go to the foundation that filter, the word of God, to understand them to be true. Galatians 5, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and as I said, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit the Spirit of God. You see, again, I'm not denying that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. I'm a big proponent that the Holy Spirit works through the power of the Word of God. I believe there is a power in the Word that we can't even understand. But we also have to understand that we have to keep in step with that Spirit, in step with the Word, that foundation of the church, the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us, the Word that is our discernment. And if we're not reading the Word... If we're not reading the scriptures, how will you be able to discern truth? Now, I suspect that many of you, if you saw somebody freaking out like that, would probably have your spirits go, oh boy, this is not right, I'm getting out of here. However, what if it's a more subtle version of it? I know people who actually go to IHOP in Kansas City. Where's their discernment? Do we, just because somebody talks about the Lord, just because they talk about God, do we consider them to be Christian? Because I see Hollywood doing that all the time. I see the rock groups and all of that. They wear their crosses and, oh, I want to thank God for this award and all that. Are they Christian? We listen to music that may, maybe 90% of it's talking about, you know, your wife leaving you, your dog uh, getting killed or whatever the case might be, but they talk about God and prayer in there, so it must be a good song. It must be a Christian song. Where's our discernment? You see, when it's blatant, it's, you know, in our face. We don't want to have anything to do with it, but when it's subtle, we have a tendency to grab onto it because we don't filter it through the Word of God. We don't filter it through truth. We don't walk in step with the Spirit of God. Titus 2 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, fruit of the Spirit, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
You see, guys, we don't seek after miracles. And that's one of the reasons these movements are growing so, so uh, quickly is because they offer healings. They offer miracles. They offer peace. They offer all of these things that we don't think we can get from the word. We don't think that we can get that by just following God and his word. We, we want more. We want something that feeds our flesh. And as a result, those movements are moving. But it is the grace of God that brings salvation. You see, it is by grace that you have been saved. And this is not of yourselves. This is not of works that any man should boast. But it is by grace that we have been saved. And you know what? I believe that should be enough. If all God does for us is die on that cross so that we might spend an eternity with him in heaven, is that enough for you? Is that enough of a foundation of Christianity for you? Or do we need more? Do we need to see a healing? Do we need to see a miracle? I don't. I don't need to see these things to believe the truth of the word of God because the most important foundation to build upon, as 1 Corinthians 3 says, is Jesus and the grace that he has brought. Anything else other than Jesus is not a foundation. And I'm seeing many churches building upon foundations of experiences. What they can get, what they can receive, what kind of feeling we can leave with. And if we don't leave church with some great emotional experience, somehow the church seems to have failed. I'm here to tell you that's not what Christianity is. If this world falls apart and, and we have to go through persecution, we have to go through trials and tribulations, let's say you get cancer, let's say you're not healed with that cancer, is that going to shake your faith? I think for many of these people it does because, you know what, this kind of emotional experience is like a drug. And I've seen that happen in churches. I've seen people come and, oh, this is wonderful. Oh, man, I really love that service. And then six months later, they're not even in church anymore. Why? Because experience is like a drug. You need more all the time. The only thing that can fulfill, the only thing that can satisfy is Jesus Christ and the grace that brings salvation through him. That is the only thing that will satisfy. That is the only thing that will last. Not an experience. Not a movement of the Spirit. You know, a miracle. We hear sometimes, do you have enough faith to be healed? I believe sometimes it takes more faith not to be healed. Because when we don't get what we want... We should still be able to say, God, I give you glory because you have brought salvation and I will live in eternity with you. That's what matters. No matter what else, if I have to literally have hell on earth, if Jesus died for me and I get to spend an eternity with him, then that's enough. I am willing. Do you think Paul, as he went and gave the gospel to all these people, do you think he was experiencing, you know, all this emotional experience for himself? Oh, don't get me wrong. He, he received a lot of emotional experiences, but that's not why he was doing it, is it? I mean, the man went through being shipwrecked and beaten and flogged and starved and naked and cold, uh, left for dead. He went through all kinds of things, but yet that's not the message we hear in the church today. 
We hear, no, come to Jesus and, and, and life is going to get better. Life is going to be wonderful if you're a Christian. You have problems, come to our church. We'll give you some cookies and donuts. Maybe even some Starbucks coffee. That's not what church is about. It's not about what the church can give you. It's about what Christ has already done for you. And now in response to that, we will go and worship and praise a holy and righteous God who has done everything for us already. Amen. That's the key. But I hate to say it. I'm thankful that I don't see this around town where we live. But I, I know people who do. I know who, people who are walking a very close line to this stuff. I know churches in town who I believe are operating on experience and trying to draw people in about what the church can do for them. We take surveys to make sure that the church is offering what you want. To make sure you're getting what you want out of church. Is that what Christianity is about? No. It's about Him. We must decrease. And He must increase. Jude 25. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ. All glory goes to God. But I think we keep seeking that glory here on earth. Revelation 18, it says, Give her, Babylon the Great, which is not a good thing, as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. If we're on this earth to chase after riches, you know, the name it, claim it, blab it and grab it, doctrines that are out there, if we're here to get rich, and if we're here so that, you know, God, you know, I, I've heard messages where people are talking about that thing. that You know, you just need to obey God. Or you see these televangelists, televangelists saying, you know what, if you give to this ministry, God is going to bless you tenfold. You know, he's going to, uh, you know, multiply your finances if you give to this ministry. No, God says that he is going to pour out the torture and wrath that they deserve because they got their luxury here on this earth. But I got news for you. There is nothing on this earth that is going to compare to the glory that will be revealed in us through Jesus Christ in heaven. Revelation 15, who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? You see, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we are to seek with all of our beings to give God glory on this earth. That's why we're here to give God glory. But how many of us have maybe even believed in that subtle lie that we're not here to give God glory. We're here so that God can bless us. So that he can make our lives easy. That's not why you're here. You will have trials. You will have temptations. I suspect some of you are, are dealing with some physical ailments that are terrible right now. I know you have loved ones that are suffering with these things. Some of you might be struggling with depression. Some of you might be going through all kinds of emotional or physical torment. But you know what? Maybe can I propose to you that if we would take our eyes off of ourselves and give God glory even through those trials and tribulations, that those trials and tribulations wouldn't be nearly as hard to go through? You know, I think of Peter and, and Paul. Peter, when he was, I think it's in Acts chapter 12, where he is beaten 
flogged and he's in prison and he's there and what does he do does he go oh i can't believe this christianity it's so hard why god i've served you i'm preaching the word why do you allow this to happen to me is that what peter did no he gathered everybody around he says come on come here let's sing praises to god he took his eyes off of himself and he began to praise god through his trials through his tribulation, through his... I'm going to guess that none of you here have gone through those kinds of trials for preaching the word of God that you've been flogged. I mean, that's, that's not a spanking. That's like ripping out flesh. That's like whipping in a big way. And this is the kind of thing that Peter went through. And yet still, through those trials, he wasn't worried about what he could get on this earth. He wanted to give God glory. And that's what he did. 1 Peter 4, if anyone speaks, he should do it as with one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, the word. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. For in eternity, he's going to get the glory. Yes, we'll be blessed by that. Yes, we're blessed when we give God the glory, but that should not be where our heart is at. That should not be what we seek, and that should not be what we follow in the church today. And if we speak, it should be as one speaking the very words of God. In some of those awful clips that I showed you, and I feel, I feel like I need to apologize to you, you know, even showing them to you, but in some of those awful clips... I didn't hear the word of God being preached. I didn't hear God receiving the glory or Jesus receiving the glory. All I heard was a man-focused, a man-centered gospel, which is no gospel at all. We need to examine the messages, the word that is being preached. Even from what I'm saying here today, it better be going through the filter of the word of God. Because this is how you can be deceived. by If it sounds good to us, if it sounds palatable, if it sounds nice, I'll take it in. No, if it's not scriptural, don't take it in. That has to be the foundation. Matthew 16, 4 says, A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. And he goes on to say, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so Yeshua Jesus was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and rose again. That is the sign that we seek. And guess what? We found it. Not only does the Bible testify that Jesus died and rose from the dead, we see historians telling us that there was a man named Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the dead, supposedly, they say. Again, these historians, not all all of them even believe the truth of that, but they report that's what's happening. That's what's in the newspapers. We have the sign that we need. There's no need to go seek another to know that the Bible is true. There's no need for you to have to go to church and, and try to experience something to find out that you're a Christian. You know... Am I really a Christian? I mean, I see all these people and it seems like they're so in touch with the Holy Spirit. And here I am. I just don't hear from the Spirit. I just just want to sign God. 
I just want a sign that you're with me. I just want a sign that, that I'm okay. You already have it. And it's in the truth of the Word of God, the promise that God has given you that says this, if anyone calls on the name of the Lord, he will be saved. Period. Amen. You don't need any other sign. You don't need any experience to know that that promise is true. That is the foundation of Christianity right there. That God has promised you. You repent of your sins. You call on the name of Jesus. You will be saved. And you need not experience anything. You need not experience a healing to know that that is true. You need not experience some radical head shaking to know that the Spirit is with you. Because the Bible says that if you are a believer, that Spirit is now in you. And that Spirit will guide you. He will help you understand and discern those scriptures. But I know that's true, not because of an experience, not because of a miraculous sign, but because the Word of God says it. That's it. It's that simple. Balance is important. And I think that some of these things, like I said, the Holy Spirit, I I don't deny that He does work. Or I don't deny that God has healed people. I know He has. We're not saying that the Spirit doesn't work. We're not saying the Spirit won't allow you to, to, to experience Him. But when we get out of balance and that our heart is constantly seeking something for us rather than giving God the glory, that's when we get into trouble. And I think that sometimes our traditions get us to, to go out of balance. That we make traditions on the equal of God. You know, if, if we don't have the right color carpet or if we don't have the cross in the right spot or whatever the case might be, that somehow all of a sudden that has trumped the gospel. You see, everything, whether it be our traditions, because traditions are okay. It's all right to have traditions. You know, you think of the fiddler on the roof. They said, how do you keep from falling off of the roof? And he says, tradition. You see, traditions sometimes keep it. God was a very traditional God. He says, I want you to celebrate Passover. I want you to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles so that you don't forget what I've done and so that you can look forward to what I'm going to do. He's a very traditional God, but the traditions came from the Word of God. The Spirit of God, as I said, the balance of there. You can experience the Spirit of God, but you won't always, and you don't need to always. It doesn't change the truth. The law. You see, I think the law is good. I know that because the Bible says, Paul even says there in Romans, the law is good when one uses it righteously, when one one uses it properly. But we can get out of balance and say, oh, no, the law, that was Old Testament. Or we can get out of balance and say, oh, no, I need to earn my salvation. The law is good when used properly. And even the gospel has to be taken in balance. Because there, as I believe it is um, Jude that warns us, where that there are those who are going to use the gospel, the grace of God, as a license to sin. Well, I'm forgiven, so I can do anything I want. I'm forgiven, I'll go out and get drunk. I'm going to go continue to drink. I'm going to continue to do drugs. I'm going to continue to get a divorce because I know God will forgive me anyway. Now you're out of balance again. 
You see, everything needs to be in balance. And so I hope that you can find encouragement among the yuck that I showed you here today in that we don't need to chase after those things. We don't even need to go look to try and find where this is going on in Hastings or in Kearney or in Grand Island or in Lincoln or in Omaha or Kansas City. What you need to do is just know this, that none of that is necessary. The only thing necessary is to know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. That is the important part. That is the foundation that we will all build on. And I hope and pray that you will build on that foundation with gold and silver and precious stones rather than wood, hay, and stubble. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word again and we thank you for just the discernment that your spirit gives us. Lord, I know that um, there are people who are following uh, evil spirits. Maybe it is a kundalini spirit, whatever it might be. I just pray that you would give them discernment, that you would wake them up, that you would cause us, Lord, to, to love them enough to warn them and that we would put you back on your throne, that you would receive all the glory, that we would not seek the glory for ourselves, that we would not seek experiences, but that we would seek truth and truth alone. And if it serves or if it uh, glorifies you and it pleases you to allow us to experience something, then thank you for that. But if not, Lord, and we don't feel it, we know it's still true. We know your presence is with us even now. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name.